Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us, and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. How are we, church? Are we good? Awesome. Hey, can we keep our hands together for uh, all of our online audience, campuses, church online? Really glad to have you. Orange Park, Julington Creek, everyone else watching from wherever you're watching from, welcome to Celebration Church. Are you having a good weekend? You feeling good? Yeah, yeah. Gator fans should be happy, right? Georgia fans are happy. Seminole fans are happy. Alabama fans are happy. Clemson fans are not happy. They're not happy. But uh, hey, it's good to see you. You look good. That's half the battle right there. If you have your Bible, let's open it up to Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel chapter 37 is where we're gonna get. And uh, let me just introduce myself. My name's Clay, and I've uh, been on staff now at Celebration for five years. And in just three days, uh, myself, my wife Bethany, and our family are moving um, to Belfast, Northern Ireland, to be our new lead pastors at Celebration Church, Northern Ireland. Really excited about it. Thank you for your prayers for us. If you, if you didn't plan on praying for us, I just thanked you in advance, so now you have to. Uh, so thank you for praying for us. We're really excited about what God's doing over there. Pastor Stovall, as you heard, he's over there this weekend. He's been running the gauntlet, preaching loads of services uh, this week and weekend in a conference there in Ireland. And uh, so he'll be back uh, in town next week. And so we kind of just did a little bit of a switch today. You got me, they got Pastor Stovall, and uh, it's gonna be a good day. Man, we had a good service on Saturday and this morning already. And so, uh, but the 11.30 crew, come on. You slept in, you're on like your fifth cup of coffee. We are fired up, we are ready to go. You ready to have church today? It's gonna be good. All right, hey, Ezekiel 37, if you don't have a Bible, we got you covered to the left and to the right on the screen. Obviously, I wanna thank Pastor Stovall and Pastor Kerry for the opportunity. It's always a privilege. I'm so excited. Uh, I might not get one for just a little while um, until we come back and visit, but I love the fact that we get to be together today. It's starting in verse one, Ezekiel 37, it says, the hand of the Lord was on me, this is Ezekiel talking, and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord, set me in the middle of a valley, and it was full of bones. Then he led me back and forth among them. I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says, the sovereign Lord to these bones, I will make breath enter you, you will come to life. Love that, come to life. Why don't, why don't we just say those three words together on the count of three? One, two, three. Come to life. You see, church, watch this. Revival happens when dead things come to life. Revival, Revival happens when, when things that, that seem to be beyond resuscitation receive a new wind and a new breath enters them. That's when revival happens. God's telling Ezekiel, oh, you're about to see revival. Right here, verse six, I will attach tendons to you, make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you'll come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound and the bones came together bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them, skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them and they came to life, stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. 
They say our bones are dried up, our hope is gone, and we are cut off. Therefore, prophesy to them and say, this is what the Lord says. My people, I'm going to open up your graves and bring you up from them. I'll bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I'm the Lord when I open up your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you. I love that. I'll put my spirit in you, and you will live, and you will settle. I will settle you in your own land. You see, how many of you know that it is only by God's spirit, this vision that Pastor Stowall has been sharing with us, this six new campuses, six new areas, buildings, locations, as we go into 2017, it is only by God's spirit that we have the ability to get into these new lands and thrive like the church he's called us to be. It's only by, because, because watch this, we are talented, but we ain't that talented. Like we're creative, but we're not that creative. We're good, but we're not that good. Like we got, we got some skills, but we're not that skilled. It is only by the Spirit of God that we can fulfill and thrive and do what he's called us to do in the vision that he has laid on this house. Come on, are you thankful for the Holy Spirit? I will put my Spirit in you and you'll live and you'll settle in your new land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it. Come on, God's not even, he's not even playing. He's like, I'm the one that did this, <laughs> right? He's gonna get the credit in the end declares the Lord. So I'd like to speak to you for the next 24 minutes or so on what I have entitled, Can It Live Again? Can it live again? You see, the fact of the matter is this, no matter what cities and areas we plant churches in, and, and the whole reason I'm sharing this message with you today is, you know, we just came out of our Heart for the House series. I thought this message that God gave me back in July of, of uh, this past summer, I thought, man, this would be a great weekend on the on the coattails of Heart for the House to share with our church. But, but understand this, these cities and these areas that we're going into, right, many of them, it's gonna be very, very easy for us to find dry, dead, religious bones. That, that, that's everywhere. If we would be honest with ourselves today, even in church, even in our own lives as individuals spiritually, there can season to season be some dry, dead areas. And so, and so the Spirit of what we are asking God to do, not just this weekend, but in the future of our church as we walk this vision out, is that God, first and foremost, that you would revive and resuscitate us as individuals. Like, I'll, I'll always take an extra dose of revival. Come on, every, every year, I'll take some more of that, right? So God, that you would first and foremost do it in us as individuals, but then as we go into these new places, God, that you would revive and resuscitate the dry and dead places that you're gonna lead our church so that we can, we can be the light that you've called us to be. Can it live again? Let me pray for us, we'll jump into it today. So Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the Bible. Lord, we thank you that every time we apply your word to our life, we are so much better for it. God, it's living, it's active, it's breathing, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. So Lord, today we lean into your word, we wanna wring it out for every little drop that you have for us. God, I pray that we would not just be hearers only, let us be doers of your word. In Jesus' name, we thank you. And everyone said amen. Amen. Hey, just by a show of hands, perhaps, is there anyone in here today or watching um, at our campuses who would consider themselves to be directionally challenged? You're directionally, like you have a not so keen sense of direction, you kind of get lost a lot. Google Maps is more frustrating than it is helpful for you. You get lost, let me ask it like this. Does anyone in here have a spouse who is directionally challenged? You better put your hand down. If you, if you want a good afternoon, you better go ahead and keep it down, right? Um, 
directionally challenged individuals. There's one particular person in our family who happens to be more directionally challenged than others. Gets lost frequently, we have to help them out frequently, and here's typically how it goes. Um, this individual, whether they were just going to the other side of town, or God forbid they had to drive across the United States of America, like we would give them very specific directions and instructions, right? So we'll tell them, here's what you need to do. We'll, we'll, we'll give names of roads, we will list every name of every road. Okay, you're gonna go, you're gonna be on Phillips Highway. You're gonna take a right on Southside Boulevard. You can take another right on Bay Meadows. Like names of roads. We will, we will give them miles traveled on each road. Right, you're gonna go 2.6 miles on this. I'll show this, see the GPS proves it. 2.6 and then you're gonna turn this. You're gonna do 1.4 on this road, miles of roads. We'll tell them what to do at every stoplight, what to do at every stop sign. We will paint the picture as clear as you would ever think it could be painted. But yet there always comes the I'm lost phone call. You know that person in your life, maybe it's your spouse that you're sitting next to. There always typically comes that, that I'm lost phone call and you're thinking like, I couldn't have been more specific in the instructions. I did everything but give you a map and a key. Like I don't know, like it was so specific but yet here's the I'm lost phone call. And when we get the phone call, it kinda always sounds the same. They're, you know, hey, I'm lost, what, what do I need to do? And so I'll ask the question or someone will ask the question, um, okay, what road are you on? Simple question, what, what road are you on? And this, this is the response, don't make me laugh, don't make me laugh, this is the response, we'll get this. Ah, 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 I see, there's a, so I see a bluish gray building. Um, uh, there's some cars parked and uh, there's, there's like a group of trees over. No, I don't care about the building. I don't care about the trees. Just what road are you on? Ah, uh, so there's like a gas station. I can see a gas station. No, there's like five million gas stations in our city. That's not helping. What road are you on? Ah, uh, so there's a plane flying over and it's kind of raining. No, that's, that's not, stop it. What, what road? What road are you on? What road? Based on the definitive, declarative, easy to follow directions that I gave you, what road are you on? Don't describe to me what you see. That's not helping. Don't just explain to me what you're currently looking at. That's not helping. What road are you on? You see, what I have found, church, when it comes to our relationship and following God, what I've learned is this, is that we are way better describers than we are declarers. We're really good describers. Don't we do that at times? If you're like me, I'm guilty of it. We, we describe what we currently see to God as if he can't see it. God, do you see all these problems? Do you see these complexities? Do you see these issues in my life? Describing isn't giving us, getting us anywhere. But I love what God did in Ezekiel. The spirit of the sovereign Lord places Ezekiel in the middle of a valley with dry bones. And he says, Ezekiel, I do not want you to describe to me what you see. I want you to declare what I have said over these dry and dead areas that you're looking at. Because describing is getting us nowhere but declaring will start to put pieces back together in our life. There's gotta come a moment as a believer where you wake up one day and say, you know what, I'm gonna stop describing the mess because just describing it isn't helping. 
But if I can start waking up every single day saying today is another perfect opportunity for me to declare the goodness and the faithfulness and who I know God to be over this situation and my job and my finances and my marriage, declaring what God has said will have a whole lot better outcome in our life. Don't just describe. We gotta declare what God has said. You know what we're gonna do in this next season of our church as we go into these new areas, we go into these new territories, I, I can tell you what we're not gonna do. We're not gonna show up in Belfast and Fort Lauderdale and another campus in Orlando, Amelia Island. We're not gonna show up in these places and just describe the hurdles that are in front of us. We're not just gonna sit around and describe the complexities and describe the, well, I don't really know if people wanna go to church here and they always say Europe's a tough place to plan in and we're not just gonna describe that. You know what we are gonna do? We're gonna step into these new territories and we are gonna prophesy to the dry and dead religion and bones in every single area. And I love what God tells Ezekiel to do. God basically says this. He says, Ezekiel, I want you to prophesy to these dry, dead bones. Oh, by the way, Ezekiel, I want you to do it. Like, God, how long do I need to do this? Oh, you're gonna do it until what you see begins to look like what I said. See, this message isn't just about us as a church organization in six locations. This is about you experiencing revival and the move of God in your own life. How often do I need to encourage myself? It's simple. You do it until what you begin to see in your life looks like what God said. How long do I prophesy to myself? You do it until what you see looks like what he said. How long do I preach to myself? You do it until what you see looks like what God said. We're gonna do it until what we see looks like what God said. We're not gonna describe, we're gonna declare. So what I've gathered here from reading Ezekiel 37 is I wanna give you today five things. You can take notes, write it down. Five things that are required for a move of God. Whether it be for our church, Celebration Church as a whole, or whether it be for your life as an individual. Five things that are required to see a move of God. I, just by maybe a show of hands, could anyone maybe use the move of God right now in your life? Okay, I'm, so I'm preaching to a good crowd. Okay, cool. Thought it was just me. All right, five things. The first one is this. Number one, the anatomy of a move of God requires, number one, a desperate situation. A desperate situation. Now, I know this might seem counterintuitive right now, but the fact of the matter is this. If you want a miracle, there has to be a problem. You want a miracle, there has to be a problem. Now, most of us in here today need zero help with this because you got about 10 problems going on right now. I like, like humanity doesn't need any help with the problems. God, we got the problems covered, but, but nevertheless, if we wanna see God move, it requires a desperate situation. There has to be a need if God is going to supply. God can only fill what is empty. He can only heal what is broken. There has to be a desperate situation. Situation, And when we read Ezekiel, it wasn't just that Israel was physically in captivity, but they were in the midst of a spiritual captivity. Dry, dead spiritually, in the midst of a desperate situation. But what Ezekiel quickly found out, and, and take note, this was hundreds of years before Jesus ever came. But what Ezekiel got a front row seat to is that God is in the resurrection business. Before you and I can sit here today and say, we know God resurrects because we can see Jesus. No, Ezekiel didn't see Jesus, but, but he got a front row seat even before the resurrection of Christ to know that God is in the business of taking what was dry and dead and bringing it back to life and raising it back up, right? So, so if you are in here today or watching online or wherever you're at and you would say to yourself, man, I am at the lowest of lows. I am at the very, very bottom. That's actually not a bad place to be. It just makes you a perfect candidate for a move of God because God loves desperate situations. He loves desperate, devastating, disturbing 
situations, it's actually required in the recipe for God to move. Ezekiel knew it to be true. He actually saw it. If you want to move a God in a great way, you need a desperate situation. Would you not agree right now that our world in many aspects and facets is in the midst of some desperate situations right now? Desperate nationally, desperate globally. There's pretty disturbing, devastating things happening all over the world. So watch this celebration, church. Now is the perfect time to plant life-giving churches. Now is the perfect time to give and sow and be generous. Now is the perfect time to sacrifice. Now is the perfect time to build and cultivate and start. Now is the perfect time to rally believers, send people out, continue the work of God. It's the perfect time. Why? Because we have some desperate situations. Desperate situations happening all over the place. God loves moving in the lives of the desperate, right? We, whether you acknowledge it or not, I thought about this, um, we're all desperate for God. Whether you would even be willing to admit it, you, you actually are because you see, being desperate for God simply means that you understand the fact that you have needs that only he can meet. If God left me tomorrow, tomorrow is the day I take my last breath. That's how bad you need him. That's how desperate we are for God in our life. Stay reliant and desperate on him, in him. It's the first thing to seeing God move. I love what it said in verse three of Ezekiel 37. It said that God asked him, he said, son of man, can these bones live? Can these bones live? I love Ezekiel's response. Uh, he said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Like God, you, you, you're the only one that knows that these bones can live. You see, if Ezekiel had been from the backwoods of South Carolina where I grew up, um, maybe he would have said it like this. He would have looked back at God and said, Lord knows. <laughs> Just Lord knows. Can these bones live? Lord knows. I don't know. Right? Why don't we all just say it with our thickest southern draw accent on the count of three? One, two, three. Lord knows. Lord knows. It's really easy in our church. Like, everyone just sounds like that. Anyways, uh, <laughs> Lord knows, right? Well, what does Lord knows mean? It simply means I don't have a clue. I don't know. I got, I got, I got nothing. See, I just came to preach today, this weekend, to, to someone who might be in a Lord knows kind of season. Like, what, man, what, what's next in my life? Man, I don't really know what's next. I don't really know what God wants me to do. I don't really have a clue what my, my vision is, what my call is, what my purpose is. I, I don't know, I don't know. Listen, you might not know, but the Lord knows. That gives me great hope and encouragement walking through life that I don't have to have all my I's dotted and T's crossed. All I gotta do is keep stepping in the direction God is leading. All I gotta do is keep trusting, keep being obedient. I don't have to have all the answers because the Lord knows. God knows, I'm safe, I'm secure, I'm okay with everything, even though I can't see too far ahead. God, I'm dependent on you, I desperately need you, and you know. And as long as you know, God, I'm good with that. I don't have to know if you know. God, you know. Desperate situations are actually part of the recipe to seeing a move of God happen in our life. Number two, the second thing that's needed for a move of God I love this one. Number two might be my favorite, okay? I'm gonna go ahead and let you know this might be my favorite, right? Number two, unreasonable obedience. Unreasonable obedience. After verse seven, um, when the Lord tells Ezekiel to go and preach to the cemetery, uh, now I've preached to some rough crowds in my day, that would be a whole nother level, right? Ezekiel's probably thinking like, God, they dead. Why do I just, what am I gonna do, right? Um, after, after he got this request, it didn't make a lot of sense, seems a bit crazy, seems a bit like a waste of time. But I love what Ezekiel responded with in verse seven. He literally says, so I prophesied as I was commanded. 
So I prophesied as I was commanded. You see, church, in order for God to move and do the miraculous in our lives at times, you are going to have to obey before you understand. Gonna have to obey before we even understand, right? What is unreasonable obedience? It simply means that you don't understand. I, I, don't, I don't know all the ins and outs. It's, it's unreasonable obedience. God's asked me to do something. It seems a bit crazy. I don't really understand, God, how you're gonna make A plus B equal C on this one. It doesn't really make logical sense, but I obey even before I understand. And what God put in my spirit to share with some people today who might need to hear this is, listen, when you're wanting God to move in an uncommon way, sometimes he'll ask you to do an unreasonable thing. You want God to move in an uncommon way? He'll ask you to do an unreasonable thing. You know, it was about 18 years ago. There was a young couple by the last name Weems in South Louisiana, and God put a dream and a vision in their heart to see an uncommon move of God, but yet it required in that moment an, an unreasonable stepping out of what they knew to be familiar and comfortable to go into a new city with low finances and not a big team, and yet here you and I are 18 years later, benefactors of someone else's unreasonable obedience. We're, we're reaping the harvest of someone else's unreasonable obedience. So the question, therefore, is poised to us today. I wonder who will be a benefactor 20 years from now because of your unreasonable obedience. See, this is what Heart for the House stuff is all about. Pastor's been sharing it with us for the last four weeks. Some of you are like, oh my God, can we be over with Heart for the House? But listen, this is what it's all about. And this is why we do what we do and this is why we sacrificially give because we understand that 20 and 30 and 40 years from now, someone else is coming into the kingdom. Someone else's life is being changed and transformed. It might require a little bit of unreasonable obedience right now, but God's gonna move in an uncommon way in the future. The unreasonable gives way to the uncommon. The unreasonable gives way to the uncommon. You know, I, maybe like for my wife and I with the heart for the house, Initiative. I, I remember, maybe you were like me, like when God put the number, so to speak, in your spirit about what you were to give and how you were to participate, like when God first gave it to us, like, you know, if you were like me, you were like, God, say what? What was that? And then like God gave it to you again, you're like, no, that ain't Jesus, no. The, the devil is a liar, get behind me, right? Uh, but then you remind yourself, if we wanna see the uncommon, we gotta do the unreasonable. We gotta be unreasonably Obedient and some, I mean, my family is literally walking this out right now, believing God has put in our heart that there is to be an uncommon move of God in Western Europe, Northern Ireland, the United Kingdom. So, so what are we doing? We are literally leaving everything that has been familiar to us for the last 31 years, all that is routine, all that is comfortable. We're stepping out, we're doing the unreasonable. I'm leaving Chick-fil-A. That's how you know it's God. You know God spoke. That's the only way that's happening, right? I gotta make my own sweet tea now, Lord help me. So, <laughs> we wanna see the uncommon, it takes the unreasonable. See, I, I wonder as we close out one year and we look forward with great anticipation into a new year, I, I wonder what area of your life you need to start to get a little spiritually unreasonable in, so to speak. I, I need to be an unreasonable giver. I, I wanna be unreasonably generous. I wanna be unreasonably obedient. I wanna be unreasonably full of faith and vision because I know it'll make way for the uncommon. Come on, amen? Anybody feel like you can be a little unreasonable in your serving Jesus moving forward? 
unreasonable. I, I want you to write this down real quick. I, I just came across it. I thought I'd share it. Faith, just a little definition about faith. I love how it's, it's worded. Faith is believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. Believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. I love it. Sometimes you just gotta obey God and let him explain it to you later. And when later comes, you can be like, oh, absolutely, I totally get it. I, I, yeah, I see it now, but, but we obey now. We let him explain it later. Unreasonable obedience. Number three, the third thing required for a move of God is bold preaching. Bold preaching. Come on, I'm talking about the kind of preaching that'll tell a dead bone to live. Bold preaching, bold preaching. Preaching now, it's not the only way that God can communicate to his people and those far from him, but I do believe it is a primary way. And remember, this message is not just about us as a church and preachers on a platform. This message is about revival in your own life. You gotta learn how to preach and prophesy to yourself. Please understand this, church. I, I, I preach to myself more than I ever preach with a microphone in my hand. I, I will preach and prophesy over my own family more than I do it with any other person's family although I'll do both. But see, there even was a moment when David, in David's life, we don't have time to look at it right now, David was out, he finally came back to his homeland, his wife and children are kidnapped, his house is burned to the ground, all of his stuff is gone, and the Bible says in that moment, David encouraged himself in the Lord. Because watch this, if I'm always waiting on Sister Christian to come and prophesy and give me a word, I'm gonna be waiting a while. If it's always gonna take brother so-and-so and pastor so-and-so to come and preach and prophesy and give me a word, I could be waiting a long time because watch this, what happens when all hell breaks loose on a Monday and it's still six days to Sunday? I, ain't, I, don't have, I don't have time to wait. I don't have six days to wait in depression. I don't have six days to wait in critical negativity. I gotta preach to myself, prophesy to myself, begin to claim and declare the good things I know about God over myself. Bold preaching. You wanna see revival in your life? When was the last time you preached bold to yourself? When was the last time you prophesied over yourself? Well, I'm, I'm not a pastor by vocation. Ezekiel wasn't either. He wasn't ordained. He, he wasn't any of that. He was a man used by God, yeah, but, but the same for you. You don't have to be some vocational individual to start prophesying and declaring the things of God over yourself. I, I've met some people when it comes to the Bible and preaching and stuff like that, I, you just in, in 31 years of living, but about 10 years of, of ministry, I've, I've encountered some people who will say things like, you know, even like Marie was sharing with us in worship, people will say, well, you know, uh, the old, that, that, that Old Testament stuff, that like God doing the miracles like that, he did that back then, but he's kind of different now. He doesn't really do miracles now like he did back then. And the Bible, a lot of what it says, that was for them back now, but it's not really for us now. Here's what I've learned. Listen, good news is still good news to hurting people. It's still good news. Good news is still good news when it's falling on the ears of hurting individuals. Bold preaching. You know what we're gonna do when we go into these new areas in 2017? We are gonna preach bold. We're gonna preach Jesus. We're gonna preach his life, his death, his resurrection, spirit baptism, repentance of sins. We're gonna preach all of it. Why? Because it's good news. Boy, I can tell you stories. When I tell you that, that there was a story of an Italian man who was speaking with some of our friends over in Europe who, who literally, he's, he's in later years of life right now, but he's literally saying that in all his years of, of going to church and living just a, a dry religious, just religiously obligated, not much life there, just, just kind of going through the motions, in all of his years, now here he is later in life, and he's never heard a gospel message about grace. 
When I tell you that's where a lot of towns and cities still are in Europe today, that's where they still are. Like you can't even sit in an American church for 15 minutes and not hear the word grace about 10 times. Like, like we, we're all familiar with grace. We, we, we get it. We understand it. We, we've heard it over and over and over. But there are still people living dry, religious backgrounds who, who feel like, man, they got to do this if they want God to this. And I got to do, do, do and work, work, work. And I better show up for God. And I better not mess up. And I better. But this whole idea of grace and faith colliding in a moment of salvation is brand new to so many people. That's what we're going to do. When we go to Amelia Island, when we go to Fort Lauderdale, Orlando, even here in Jacksonville as we continue to expand, you would be surprised to hear people's testimony about how they've lived in an area for so long, but yet they've never heard some of the things that we're gonna share with them. Bold preaching. Bold preaching is needed. I love Peter. When Peter, man, he got out in Acts chapter two, he, he was preaching bold, his very first message. It was a bold message. Why was it bold? Because Jesus just got killed a few days ago for saying the same stuff. And now here Peter is, he's not backing down, he's not shy, he's not timid, he's boldly declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ. I love it. As the band gets ready to, to join me, we've got two more. Two more, number four, the fourth thing needed in the recipe, so to speak, for God to move. I love this one, spirit's power. Spirit's power. It's interesting in Ezekiel 37, when you read it, and you can read your Bible, I'm not lying, the bones came together but they did not get up and move until wind entered them. Came together, but they didn't get up and move until wind entered them. You see, all throughout scripture, wind represents the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter one and two, the Bible tells us that Jesus is instructing his disciples. I preached a message a while ago kind of on these passages, but Acts one and two, Jesus is telling his disciples, here's what I want you to do. I'm about to go back to heaven. I'm going to ascend. I'm gonna leave you, but I'm gonna send you the Holy Spirit. And Jesus basically says, hey, just don't do anything. You gather together and just wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Just, just wait I will send you the Holy Spirit. Now, I would imagine in that moment, it would have been very easy for the disciples to say, well, Jesus, why can't we just go now? Jesus, why can't we just go now? We, we obviously see that you're alive. We believe in it. We, we feel like we got a good understanding of the message and the whole deal. Why can't we just go now? It's almost as if Jesus was saying, no, 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 hold on. In order for, for you to be most effective, in order for there to be real transformation in people's lives, you're gonna need to wait on this Holy Spirit. Like, like, you, you need them that bad. You see, watch this, church. I can preach boldly until I'm blue in the face, but without the Spirit's power, it's not making a whole lot of difference. See, see, Ezekiel shows us in this passage of Scripture that, that, that we do what we can do. I, I, I gotta do the preach boldly stuff. I gotta do that bit. But, but then God does what only He can do. But when we do it together, lives are transformed resuscitation comes to those who are dry and dead, revival sweeps land, salvation, all, all that comes when we do what we can do, but then the Spirit's power does what it can do. Have you ever hold this, or heard this um, old adage? It goes like this, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink, right? I can lead someone to salvation, but I can't save them. Only the Spirit can do that. I can preach, I can declare, I can do all of that as I should, but we need the Spirit so badly because He's the only one transforming lives. He's the only one doing that work. Spirit's power is absolutely needed. You see, our church, as we go into these new areas in 2017, um, I can guarantee you that we will never have a problem finding dead, dry, religious people, like, like we won't. 
all these, like, you, like you'll never have a problem finding someone who kinda went to church every now and then growing up, and maybe they know a couple scriptures, they've repeated a few prayers, just kinda not really walking out their faith, just a bit dry, just a bit dead religiously, spiritually. So like, like we will always find people like that, but watch this, God, God didn't just call us to, to create an army of churchgoers. He didn't just say, hey, go get the dead and dry and just bring them in to fill a seat and let's see how many seats we can fill. That's not what God called us to do. God said, I want you to go into these new lands. I want you to preach boldly. I'm gonna put my spirit in it so that we can see people with a new wind and a new breath fill them up that they themselves can be filled with the spirit of God, that they can be empowered to live a God-first life, that they can actually walk and flourish in the calling that I've created for them. If it's just about filling seats, then, then, then maybe we are talented enough. If it's only about filling seats, maybe we are creative enough. But if it's bigger than just filling seats, we're gonna need the Spirit on this one. We're gonna need God's Spirit. That's what we do when we go into these new places. You want revival in your life as an individual? You're gonna need the Holy Spirit. How, how do I... Okay, how do I get the Holy Spirit in my life? Well, well obviously, at, at that moment of salvation, the Spirit comes. But I believe even after that, you can, you can stir up the Spirit within you. I believe as often as you are in the Word of God and atmospheres of faith and worship, the Spirit is rising and stirring up on the inside of you. If you ever feel yourself getting dry and, and, and dead spiritually, so to speak, the first question you need to ask is, have I recently been in environments of faith? Have I, have I been doing what I can do so that the Spirit can do what it can do? Spirit's power is what we're gonna need and the fifth one is this, last one. Seeing a move of God in our life, seeing a move of God in our church. Unified believers, unified believers. I, I believe that this one is so key to our church here, celebration over the last 18 years. I, I believe that this one has been a major factor as to why we are where we are, how we've, how we've arrived where we're currently at is because, man, people for 18 years have just been awesomely unified together. I've only been around Celebration now for five years. Been blessed enough to have been here for five years, but there were people modeling this unified believer stuff even before I got here. People who were, who were going out of their way to be together doing ministry. I wrote some things down that I love about our church. We move together. We are generous together. We sacrifice together. We build Together, you see, you see, even the buildings that we sit in right now, this arena and Orange Park, Julington Creek and Amelia Island and, and, and the places we have in Orlando and what we're getting in Lauderdale and, and Northern Ireland, we all sit in these buildings right now because someone went before us who built together. Someone built together and, and we're all receiving the blessing of it. Building together, we, we pray together, we worship together, we're obedient together, right? Heart for the house. I love what Pastor Stovall says, I'm so thankful for it. You know, he's even said it a couple Sundays ago. He said, look, it's not the amount that matters. What matters is that we do it together. Together, we're, we're together. We serve together, we laugh together, we cry together, we praise together, we labor together, we sow together, we trust God together, we carry the vision together, we love our city together, and when God does the miraculous like he has time and time again, we celebrate together, we do it Together, when the church comes together, we are unstoppable. Ezekiel 37 and verse seven, so I prophesied as I was commanded. As I was prophesying, there was a, a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, together. Acts chapter two and 
verse one. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together, together. Celebration, listen, when, when the church comes together, the spirit is present and moves of God happen in a miraculous way. When the church is unified together. If the enemy can keep you divided and separated as an individual, then he has massively limited your life. L listen, someone needs to hear this. If the enemy can keep you, if the devil, if he can keep you offended, skeptical, critical, and negative, he's massively limited your life. And you're falling prey to the enemy. Every day you continue to walk in offense, you're falling prey to the enemy. Every day you don't let God heal that wound and you stay bitter, you're falling prey to the enemy. Every day, you, instead of speaking positive, instead of letting your faith rise up, all that rises up is critical negativity, you're falling prey to the enemy every single day. But when we're unified, under the same savior, under the same vision, under the same call, when we're together, we are unbeatable. We're unstoppable. You know, I told you that this message God kind of put in my spirit back in July of this last summer. I wanted to share with you how it kind of came about. I'll try to do it without crying. So far, I'm 0 for 2 in the last two services. So, you know, uh, late spring, this past late spring, early summer, I got a phone call from Pastor Stovall. And, um, and this is what he said in the phone call. I was like, hey, how you doing? And he said, hey, Clay, I wanna, I, I wanna throw you a curveball real quick. I just wanna kind of throw you a curveball. I'm like, man, I don't know where this is going. What are you about to say? Like, um, okay, and... Uh, and he said this, he said, hey, I've had this kind of idea, I'm thinking through this stuff, what would you think about moving out to the UK and, and being our lead pastor there at our Northern Ireland campuses and then you know, future things that we might plant and do uh, there in Europe? Would you, would you think about that? And, and you know, pastor's not here, I don't even know if he's gonna listen to this message later, but I just, I really loved how he always presents things to us. You just need to know how good our pastor is sometimes. Some of you, I know you're not as, don't get as close an interaction with him as some of us as staff, but I love how he said it to me. He basically says, I've had this idea, but I want you to take it to God. I just really appreciate that he's always done that. It's never been a, hey, this is what you're gonna do, so you better do it. It's always like, a, just an idea, you take it to God, you see what God says about it. I really appreciate that. It makes me wanna serve under his leadership all the more. And so he said, hey, I want you to pray about this. And so my wife and I were getting our thoughts together, man. And so naturally we thought, hey, if we're gonna do this, let's go out to Northern Ireland, let's check it out, let's walk around Belfast, let's pray and, and the whole deal. So we get on the plane, we go out there uh, in the summer, we're there for about a week and a half. And, and as we're walking around, I remember uh, it was about the third night that we're there, uh, we're, we're getting in bed that night, we're about to go to sleep, and as Bethany and I are kind of laying on the bed, just kind of looking up at the ceiling, um, you know, sometimes married couples, you know, some of the most meaningful conversation is just like pillow talk. Like before you go to bed, you're just talking life and dreams and vision and stuff like that. And, and I remember just asking her, I was like, so hun, like, what are, you, what are you thinking? You know, we've been here for a few days, like, are you feeling any sort of way about all of this? And I, I wasn't sure what she was gonna say. I didn't really have a high expectation for whatever. And so, but I remember she said to me, she's like, I think we need to do this. I think, I think, I think we need to do this. It kind of surprised me. I was like, wow, like, well, I've been here three days. You're really feeling that strongly about it. I think we need to do this. And I was like, all right. So, you know, we go to bed that night. I wasn't really like 100% convinced, so to speak, yet. But I remember the next day we were out and about in Belfast in the downtown city area and we walked past this massive cathedral, right? Called St. Anne's Cathedral or Belfast Cathedral it was built in 1899, but there's a, a little chapel next to it. So there's actually been a congregation meeting on this property even before this big cathedral. The, the congregation goes back to 1776, right? Like old, we're talking like older than America, old, 
okay? Like there's buildings in Europe that are older than we are as a nation, okay? And so, and I remember sitting out there in this, this big grand cathedral right in the center of downtown Belfast as this would look in many European cities, big, huge cathedrals all over major European cities. And I remember as I'm sitting there, I noticed that there's this, this line outside for, for tours of the cathedral. People going in, and as I'm sitting there, it was like in that moment, the Spirit of God is speaking to me, and it's just like, man, what once was, was built and erected because there were, there were so many believers that were giving and generous and sacrificing and together, and, and all of it was happening, and, and look what grew, and I'm sure at one time it was hundreds of people coming into services just eager to receive the Word of God and worship Jesus and lift up their praise and do all of that has now been reduced to people in line going into tour a building where God used to do this and that. Yeah, they hold a couple services now during the week and things like that, but, but, but they go in to see what used to, man, it used to be full, used to, man, you should have seen it back in its heyday. It, it used to, it used to. I went on the website. This is literally what it says verbatim in regards to the tours. It said the admission fee is a necessity to support the ministry of the cathedral and the maintenance of this iconic building. Man, what once was something so prevalent, so at the center of society where everyone was coming along and everyone was so eager to participate and get in, now it literally cannot even have its doors open had it not been for tour money and people coming in to see what use to happen. God forbid we ever get to a place in the American church where people can pay their $5 to come in here and see what God used to do at Celebration Church. It just turns into dead and it turns into dry, it turns into lifeless, why? Because I would imagine somewhere along the way people stopped being unreasonably obedient, somewhere along the way the preaching wasn't as bold, somewhere along the way the Spirit's power just got a little bit more removed with every passing year, somewhere along the way the believers were less and less unified and now all of a sudden we're left with is big iconic buildings where people can pay some money to take some pictures. And as I sat out there on the front steps of that cathedral, God spoke to me and he just said this. He said, Clay, can it live again? Can it live again? I said, God, can what live again? What you, can what live again? He said, Clay, can my church thrive and live again in this area, in this part of the world, in this day and age? Can it live again? And can I tell you, church, in that moment, I just felt a little like Ezekiel. I just felt like, God, you, I don't know. You know. God, you know. But what was confirmed apparently in my wife the night before, God confirmed it in me that day on those steps. And I just felt in that moment, I said, you know what, God, I don't know if it can live. You alone know, you see the future, you know all things, you're omnipresent, you're omniscient. God, you know all this kind of stuff. But Lord, if you're looking for an Ezekiel who will come to this area of the world and preach and prophesy to dry bones week in and week out until revival happens and people begin to stand up and pursue the call of God until an army, a vast army rises up full of the Spirit, ready to take the world on full force. God, if that's what you're looking for, then you have found your man. If that's what you're looking for, then God, look no further. God, if you're looking for someone to be like Nehemiah, like Pastor Stovall's been preaching, who will take a sword, who will take a brick, who will get to work and give and sacrifice and build 
what once used to be awesome, God, you have found your people. And I just believe the same is true for our lives. God, if you're looking for someone who will prophesy to themselves, God, if you're looking for someone who will preach and prophesy to their workplace, who will prophesy over their family, God, you have found your man, you have found your woman, I will be the one, I will step up, I will be the called, I will be the purpose, I will not back down, I will not be scared, I will not be timid. Come on, if you believe it, why don't you lift up a shout of Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.